The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Okay, the buzzword for today is social communities and storytelling. I correct myself, that's a buzz phrase. What's the connection? Let's see what the experts have to say. I'm going to start off with Rachel Happy from the Community Roundtable. Rachel says, social communities leverage an increasingly expensive asset, people, by allowing them to work out loud, connect with more people, establish trust, and find relevant information and solutions more quickly. She says, our job as social community sponsors is to co-create value and be the storytellers of that value. It's no longer a story about us alone, but about that collaborative journey. We'll talk to Rachel in just about two minutes about the link between social communities and storytelling. We're also going to meet Sean O'Driscoll from Ants Eye View, and I have to ask him about the name of his company. Woo-woo. Sean says, Social engagement is a journey with defined stages leading to the fully engaged enterprise. Here's the crux. Digital storytelling is a critical new competency. Can't wait to have more of an explanation on that one from Sean. And Mark Yolton from SAP joins us today. And Mark likes to quote CMO Jonathan Becker. We all do. And Jonathan likes to say big glass buildings don't buy software. People do. Right on the money, Jonathan and Mark. And Mark adds, with the lines between B2B and B2C blurring, Enterprise marketers must become better storytellers, there's that word again, to articulate the impact of their solutions on real people. And yes, we're talking about getting real. So join us for the next hour for Building a Social Community. Tell me a story. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to episode number 550 on a little show called Coffee Break with Game Changers. I started just about a year ago for SAP. We're delighted you're joining us. We have a couple of 10,000 people who listen to the show every month and we're just thrilled you're along for the ride with us here on the business channel on Voice America Radio. I'm going to be tweeting during the show and retweeting and you can find us on pound sign SAP radio if you want to join the tweet stream. Let me introduce my guests. They're going to say hello and then we'll deep dive into the monologue quotes. Rachel Hoppy is a co-founder and principal at the Community Roundtable. The company is dedicated to advancing the business of community by providing education, training, research, and advisory services to community and social business leaders. Welcome, Rachel. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. Great to be here. Wonderful. Thank you. You're in sunny, windy D.C., I understand. Is that correct? I, I am. Okay, we'll talk more about the weather down there after what we just went through in New York. Sean O'Driscoll is co-founder and CEO of Ants Eye View. Got to know about that company name. He leads efforts to evolve and recruit the best talent to meet client demands. Welcome, Sean. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the call. 
Good radio voice. Nice to have you on board. And Mark Yolton, somebody I've been wanting to meet for a long time, is the Senior VP of Digital, Social, and Communities at SAP, of course, the world leader in enterprise software. Welcome, Mark Yolton. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. Doing great. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the Silicon Valley. There you go, and it's actually a beautiful day in New York. So let's get started. Let's do our deep dive, as I promised our listeners. Rachel Hoppy, let's talk about, oh, you gave me a long quote, social communities (laughs) leverage the expensive assets of people. Let's dig down to the deep dive here. Our job is community sponsors. Talk to me about who is a community sponsor, what is their job, and what is this about co-creating value and being the storytellers of that value. Kick off our theme for us, Rachel, please. Go ahead. Um, so I think community leaders are anyone who wants to do uh, their business more effectively and build more buy-in and advocacy for their business, uh, and that that is a more profitable approach to business. Um, but you've got to pull in constituent bases to help you co-create and then distribute the, that value that's co-created. Because it's co-created, people are more bought in and um, will advocate and defend you because it's part of their value. Um, so that's, that's my perspective on what communities do for anyone in business. Um, we see it applied across the organization. We see support communities. We see marketing communities. We see internal collaboration communities. Uh, we see communities specifically around innovation. So there's a variety of use cases that they can be applied to. And we can cover a lot of that later in the show. But a quick question for you, Rachel, before I go on to Sean's quote. I want to ask you, are we natural-born storytellers? Is this something we have to relearn in the social community world, this new world we've been thrust into so recently, in retrospective, so recently in the history of corporate culture and communications and marketing especially? Is this something that's natural to a lot of us, or do we have to learn to be storytellers? What's your thought on that, Rachel? Um I think most of us are natural storytellers. Um, I would say we have to relearn that. We've been learned out of storytelling, at least at, at the personal level, and we've put a lot of formality around our storytelling, and that formality really distances us from the audience, and it mm-hmm. doesn't really bring them in and uh, give them space to share their perspective and, by doing so, creating something that's greater than the sum of the parts. Beautifully said. Thank you very much. We'll be talking to the other guests about that. Let's turn to Sean O'Driscoll, Ants Eye View. Sean, before your quote, Ants Eye View. How did you come up with that name? I love it. What does it mean? Well, thanks. Yeah, I mean, Ants Eye View is all about perspective change, really. I mean, in the beginning, uh, we thought a lot about how organizations uh, market to their constituency, and, and a, lot, a lot of it feel, feels very top-down. It feels very bird's-eye, uh, mm-hmm. servicing segments and audiences and markets, and the reality of, of effective marketing in the future is that you have to think very micro-segmented, uh, really down to, all the way to your influencers and advocates in the marketplace. And so that was really the idea behind Anside View, was to drive a perspective change uh, on behalf of our clients and how they thought about engagement. Of course, it's also fun that an ant can lift 50 times its own body weight. So there are all kinds of fun metaphors uh, that get to permeate our brand with us. Okay, now let's dive into your quote. You say, social engagement is a journey with defined stages leading to the fully engaged enterprise. I get that, but here's what I want you to tell me about. Digital storytelling is a critical new competency. Who says so, Sean O'Driscoll? Who who made that happen, and is it something we're going to need a certification in if it's a competency? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know if we need to go so far as uh, certification, but I think every brand is essentially a story and a job of marketers, whether mm-hmm. they're B2B marketers or B2C marketers, is to tell the story of the brand in a compelling way that inspires an audience or a channel to take specific actions uh, based, upon, based upon that story. Um, the challenge we have is that the approach we've historically taken to stories, storytelling and marketing, is typically long-form, authoritative, um, and one-way. And digital storytelling is, is a fundamentally different muscle. It's participatory by design. The, the objective of a marketer today needs to be about being a curator and inspirer of stories that are inclusive of an organization's employees, its customers, and its channels. And it's really the collection point of those, of those stories coming out of those audiences that tells you whether or not your story is, in fact, truth. Right, and that's the brand value ultimately that that can inspire advocacy and inspire engagement and inspire people to take action on behalf of the brand, whether that's about the purchase path, or usage, or recommendation to their peers. Okay, thank you. And I have something we have to throw a little monkey wrench in here is that when we talk about storytelling, we get it compressed down to our what do we call it? A microblogging on Twitter, 140 characters. How in the heck? Do you tell the story? Well, millions of people have figured that out. Not sure how good their stories are, but they're doing it. We'll get into that more later. So Mark Yolton, SAP, you're quoting Jonathan Becker. We all love to quote Jonathan, and this is a great one. Big glass buildings don't buy software. People do. Woo-hoo. Now, let's talk about the rest of your quote here, Mark, with the lines between B2B, business-to-business, and B2C, business-to-consumer blurring, and they are, enterprise marketers must become better storytellers to articulate the impact of their solutions on real people. Talk to me, Mark. What are your thoughts about this? Well, it's just a shorthand way of saying that we need to get away from thinking B2B, B2C. Uh, Those distinctions are pretty false, um, and I think they've Mm -hmm. been created as a way for us to simplify. Um, We really have to think about B2P, business to people or person to person kind of marketing. It's really all about individual... um, individual decision-making, and we think about real people with their quirks and their foibles and their biases and their self-interests, and we really have to take those into account. Um, we have a community within SAP of uh, several million people, uh, currently about three million people, who are customers and partners and others who engage with us and with each other, and each one of them are individuals, so we don't think about it uh, so much as a community of three million, we think about um, an individual three million uh, individual members. Um, and, you know, since the beginning of time, since the beginning of humankind, we've been telling stories in the early days by painting on cave walls. Um, and we're still telling stories. And so we have to get better at telling those stories to each other in supporting each other through um, through community and social media and social networking are the new tools to be able to do that. So instead of the cave wall, we now have Twitter, and we now have Facebook walls, and we have LinkedIn and other ways to engage with each other. Mark, how much do you think people are really paying attention to all of these stories? Um, my theory is that the better we get as marketers, the better the world gets at telling their story, whether it's a personal story, a corporate story, somebody with a startup just starting to say, hey, I have an idea story. How much time do people really have in the course of a day to pay attention to all these stories? And my bottom line is who whose story will win? Who will be the ones who will get the stories that go viral? Any thoughts on that? Well, what I sense is that there's something that I call ambient awareness. So there's a general awareness of what's going on in the world around us. 
that we get from the stories that are passing by us constantly. We're, we're getting bombarded with messages um, from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. And, and so a lot of that stuff is just going to pass by. But the ones that really stick are the ones that are particularly relevant to us at the right time, in the right place, with the right kind of a message. They, they seem to touch on either a personal or a business need that's unmet, um, a requirement, an interest, something that grabs our attention. Those are the ones that are going to stick out. And it's going to be different for everyone um, at different times and in different situations. So uh, as a consequence, we have thousands or millions of messages that are passing by us on a regular basis. We essentially latch on to a couple of those throughout the day and choose to pay attention to them, to deep dive, to create a bond with those messages, and maybe to take them to the next stage, whatever that logical stage might be. Thank you, Mark. And I want to throw a little monkey wrench in here. I did a little research on the topic of corporate storytelling, and the first website that came up is something called thecorporatestoryteller.com. And in their on their page called stories.html, uh, here's the headline, Help me hire a hitman. Let me read a little bit. I'll leave you all with a smile before we go to our first break. Help me hire a hitman reads the sign of a panhandler outside a subway station in San Francisco. Apparently, she does quite well. In Olympia, Washington, a guy gets similar results, a panhandler with motorists, by holding up a placard that says, Why lie? I need a beer. And a man in Times Square offers this only in New York service. Tell me off. Just one dollar. And the answer here for the website is these three entrepreneurial panhandlers succeed in their own way because they know something many business people have yet to discover. Nothing is more powerful than a good story. Of course, these rely on humor, but there's much more to them than that. So I'm going to leave us go to break here. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. When we come back, we'll be asking Rachel Hoppy, Sean O'Driscoll, and Mark Yolton, what are they drinking today? Is it true? Is it myth? Is it fiction? What's in their cup? Is it coffee, tea, milk, juice, soda? We'll find out what these amazing experts are drinking, and we'll read our tweets as well. Kate has already logged in and Malcolm with their drinks. Don't even think of touching that app. We'll be right back. Brad, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And speaking of Twitter, we've got some active tweets going on here. We've got Emily Jasper, a multiple former guest, tweeting today. The objective of a marketer today should be to be a moderator of stories. Thank you, Emily. We've got Margo, one of our favorite famous people listening, Margo Heilingman. She says, instead of the cave wall, we now have the Facebook wall, and now it's time for me. And, well, of course, we have somebody from Community Roundtable cheering as a fan club for Rachel Happy. Okay, Rachel, what are you drinking today? What's in What's in the cup? Um, I'm, I'm drinking Kool-Aid. <laughs> um, well, we didn't didn't have that on the show yet. Fifty shows, um, first for, time. For those of, of you that uh, know my background, I was uh, the analyst at IDC that started their social software practice. The reason I moved on and started the community roundtable is because I I drank my own Kool Aid, and I really believe that connecting people and building relationships is going to be the currency that's uh, increasingly valuable in the next coming decades. So. Okay. Thank you very much. Sean O'Driscoll, what's in your cup today, Sean? Well, I'm a consummate researcher, and so in the spirit of that, we have two fascinating beverage clients, Starbucks and Jim Beam. I won't confirm or deny which of those <laughs> I'm currently consuming. Well, I think a, a carefully blended mixture sounds very, very good any time of the day. I used to know somebody who was a big Jim Beam fan, so hello to Jim Beam. Okay, Mark Yolton, what's in your cup today? Hi, Bonnie. Today I Hi. don't have a cup. I actually have a flask because Ooh. maybe people don't know, but it's International Talk Like a Pirate Day. So, uh, <laughs> a nasty mateys, uh, I have a flask of Diet Dr. Pepper and it seems like Diet Dr. Pepper doesn't really fit in the pirate lore, um, but I've been drinking that beverage since college, even in the wintertime um, when the snow is falling uh, in much of the country. Diet Dr. Pepper is a good thing to heat up on the stove and to drink like hot cocoa. So in honor, wow. of, uh, in honor of International Talk Like a Pirate Day, I've put my Diet Dr. Pepper cold this time into a pirate flask. Mark Yelton, absolutely over the top. That's an absolute first, and I have some tweets to read. Kate says, before you ask, I'm going to tell you I've got Pete's Sulawesi Kalosi in my cup. Mmm. And Malcolm is drinking Kona Direct from Hawaii. He's a big Equator coffee fan via a close friend who knows Malcolm's vice for coffee. Kate, another fan of the show, Kate McNeil, says, Bizbreak Radio for storytelling. Visit me in Mississippi. It's all about the story down there. And Chris Kim says, this is so good. And he's retweeting about our show. Thank you very much. Margo, if you want to tell us what you're tweeting, we'll be glad to read it on what you're drinking. Oh, Margo says she's not, hey, she answered me, not drinking Kool-Aid, but Nespresso. Decaffeinato Lungo is in my cup. She drinks that all the time. And Mark, thanks for the live 
tweet as well. Now let's get serious. This is one of the happiest uh, coffee break sections we've had on the show in a while. So thank you all. Mark, we're not going to forget that one at all. I have to try warm Dr. Pepper instead of hot cocoa. Really do. Rachel, let's get back to our topic. You talk about building communities. Building communities for employees, partners, customers is a strategically smart way to optimize an organization's human assets and create competitive barriers in an age where marketing and technical barriers are crumbling fast. I hear a lot about barriers in here. Uh, Translate this for me. What are you talking about? Building communities, taking down barriers, competitive. Where are the barriers that we really want to take down first, Rachel? Well, so until very recently, um, market access and uh, the cost of technical infrastructure was something that you really needed a lot of scale to achieve. But the cost of technology is dropping, and it's going into the cloud, and it's accessible to many, many more organizations of various sizes. Um, and also, because we're all connected as individuals, that access to markets has really commoditized. You don't need a broadcast channel to get to your market anymore. What you need is a good story. You need a compelling story that people connect with and want to see it achieved. Okay. I'm going to throw this out to Sean and Mark to pick up the thread here. Rachel started with me. Who are the best storytellers today? Uh, I had asked before if they need certification, meaning do they need training. Sean or Mark, somebody jump in here. Who are the best storytellers to tell the community story, to tell the enterprise story, and to tell it in in a non-overbearing, non-us-against-you, non-hey-listen-to-us push point of view, but the pull that's becoming so popular? Who wants to take that? Sean? Well, I'll throw out an idea. I think Sean, yeah. I mentioned them earlier, but I think Starbucks is doing a fabulous job of telling their story through their digital channels. I think today they have one of the largest followings uh, on the web, and I think it was just last week they did a Facebook post um, that had over 300,000 likes, uh, which I believe may be one of the most ever uh, from a brand. Um, and that that that. Uh, post was simply a picture that tied back to the story they'd been telling all along about the authenticity of of the connection they have back to farmers um, and the real rural farmers, and and it just created quite a, a, a big reaction in the marketplace. But uh, it's clear that they think end to end about their content back against an overall narrative that they're telling to the marketplace, and that they've thought distinctly about what that story is going to be on Facebook versus what that story might be on Twitter, given that they're different mediums with with different uh, capacity constraints and how they'll go out and tell those messages. Okay, very good. And you know something? We love case studies on the radio because these are those golden little moments, those select little tidbits people love to take away and say, you'll never guess what I heard on SAP Radio today. That's what we want. Mark, I know you want to say something here. What's your thought about who are the best storytellers? Are they natural? Are they trained? Do we need to take the people right out of college and say, tell us your, tell us the corporate story the way you would naturally, or can we take the shall we say, the more uh, uh, long-term employees and let them tell stories. Who's the best today? Actually, I, I think the best storytellers are the customers. Um, and maybe it sounds like a pat answer, but we've got a couple customers that are just extraordinary at telling stories about how they use our products or our solutions. Um, and I see customers from other brands as well that, that tell the stories of, why a particular product or service or solution um, impacted their lives. Um, there's, there's a few people. One of the things that we do at SAP is we put a platform in place. Essentially, we put a storytelling platform. It's called the SAP Community Network. 
and mm-hmm. we say, here's a blog platform, here's discussion areas, here's all kinds of ways that you can tell stories. Go tell them to each other, tell them to us, tell them to the world. So we see some extraordinary people pop out of there. There's one of the favorite people that I enjoy following is one of our customers slash partners named Jamie Oswald. And he's, uh, he's a gentleman who um, is in Oklahoma, I believe, um, and he's just hilarious to watch. I mean, he wrote a post probably two months ago that, that seemed like it would be the most boring thing because the subject of this post was my agenda for attending this conference. Um, and it mm. just sounds horrible and dense, yeah. but it was hilarious the way that he told the story and why he told he would attend certain um, certain seminars or certain portions of uh, of a conference. Now, if I go to another brand, something far from SAP, um, but not too far because they're a customer, um, I really like Harley Davidson, and I like them on several levels. Number one, because I ride one, so I I have drank the Kool Aid on Harley <laughs> Davidson, and I'm one of yep. their fans. But they have a campaign going on right now called Stereotypical Harley, and I think it's a, even a hashtag, hashtag Stereotypical Harley. And we'll uh, I've seen commercials on television, I've seen tweets, I've seen things on Facebook where the Harley riders themselves are posting photos of themselves on their bike or on an adventure somewhere. And so I think, I, I guess I would wrap it up to say, customers are the best storytellers, and empowering those customers with um, the tools and the capabilities and something to rally around, I think is the best outcome. I'm on pound sign, hashtag stereotypical Harley right now. Thanks for the reference, Mark Yolton. And, yeah, and I'm seeing messages here like, Save a motorcyclist life today. Please do not text or call while driving. And somebody asked, Harley asked the question, are you a stereotypical Harley rider? And, uh, oh, my goodness, all kinds of stuff here. So very, very interesting. Thanks for that reference. So, uh, okay, we have three minutes to break. Um, I'd like to get into a little bit, uh, and thanks for all the, the references to brand names, Mark. We do love that. I'd like to talk a little bit about the push versus pull. Uh, we all know, most of us on this call grew up with push marketing, get it out there, email blast, get these things in front of them, just push it in their face, bombard them, and people are saying, no, stop, enough. So now we want pull. So how does storytelling play into, Rachel, you want to take this and start me off on this? How does storytelling and in the context of social communities, help us with that sweet pull, that natural, mm-hmm. holistic pull, if you will, that's no longer, I'm going to slam you with marketing messages a thousand times a day, damn it, and I want you to buy from me. Those days are gone, or are we seeing a, uh, a shift? Is it, are we in a um, shift right now? Those days aren't gone. I think uh, those companies will continue to exist where they're pushing, pushing. Uh, but one thing that was really interesting to me when I started my business was I was putting theory into practice. And I, you know, there's that anxiety for a while where you're like, does this really work? And I can say with pretty good assurance that it does, at least from my story uh, of our practice. Um, And what we do is we publish a lot of content. And to me, um, imagery and videos is a really important part of that content because to me, the better you can call on people's emotions while you're giving them information, the more memorable your content and your story is going to be to them. Um, and so we use imagery in a lot of our presentations, um, in a lot of our blog posts. It's, it's something that is a trigger for people's memory. And, you know, when we started, we were two people, um, and we're not that much bigger than that now, 
Um, and what we did is say, okay, who are we trying to attract? We're trying to attract community leaders. So we started curating content that community leaders cared about. We didn't start off saying, here's what the community roundtable does, because they didn't know, they didn't care. We weren't in their frame of reference that wasn't important to them. Um, and from that, we earned the right to also share some of our stuff. Um, and it's been a very effective strategy. And part of the reason I'm in D.C. this week meeting the head of communications at the TSA is because a connector here in Washington is an advocate for us because she feels passionately about what we're doing and has made connections across the government for us. She Thank you. wasn't yep. a customer until very recently, but she's adding immense value in terms of sharing her network with us. Great. That's great for you, and it's great for us. I want Sean to comment on one of the talking points you sent me, Sean, which is going to take us right to break. A key word Rachel just mentioned, advocacy. You told me advocacy is central to successful community and social engagement. Did Rachel just give us an awesome example of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the whole topic of building advocacy programs. And prior to Anside View, I worked for 16 years at Microsoft where I was responsible for building out what's known as the Microsoft MVP program, which was how the company found and engaged and thanked about 4,000 non-employee, uh, quote-unquote, volunteers who exerted their passion online in helping other people learn how to use our software at the time. And uh, there was nothing more effective to us than um, connecting with that particular audience, empowering them to do what they loved, but also remembering that they weren't doing it for the benefit of Microsoft. They were doing it to help other users. They were doing it because they were passionate sharers. Um, but we were a delightful byproduct beneficiary of all of that uh, voluntary spirit. So the least we could do was reach out, find them, thank them, and give them access to resources that might make them more effective at pursuing their dream. That's great, and thank you for taking me out to break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. We're talking with Rachel, Mark, and Sean about building a social community for the benefit of enterprise marketing. We're talking about push versus pull. We have a lot more to talk about. Advocacy, talking like a human being, and storytelling, one of my favorite topics. We'll be right back after our halfway break with lots more. Don't even think of touching that app. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag saprado now let's get back to coffee break with game changers 
speaking of Twitter, we have a very active tweeting community here for Coffee Break with Game Changers today. I want to welcome Leanne Chase to tweeting. She says, love that Rachel Hoppy is drinking her own Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid for Coffee Break with Game Changers radio interview on hashtag SAP Radio. Thank you, Leanne. And Emily Jasper is with us. At what point do you let customers write your brand story? We'll be talking about that in a minute. Margo is with us as well. And we have lots of tweeting going on here. So thanks to everyone. Mark Yolton, Senior VP of Digital Social and Communities at SAP. I'd like you to take me through the fact that with push versus pull, and we're focusing on pull today, the customer is in control. Today, 60% of business purchase decisions are made before speaking to a vendor. Tell me, how do you know that? Uh, research tells us. Research tells us that, that customers go on the journey themselves and start uh, investigating products and services and solutions before they ever contact a vendor or a, or a store or a brand. So they're doing all that research on their own and narrowing down their choices and exploring the options before they ever talk to us as a vendor. So research tells us that, um, that 60% of that purchase decision is already made uh, before they, we ever get to talk to them. It also tells us that they, that buyers, in, in our world, IT buyers, trust word of mouth or trust other buyers and other customers and partners and so forth, not the brand, one and a half times as much. So they trust others um, for information and advice one and a half times as much as they trust us. So it's important for us to leverage those influencers that, that Sean talked about and those advocates in the marketplace um, so that they know about us and they can refer us as, a, as an option. Um, so very important stuff. And so research also tells us that 86% of technology buyers in our world engage in social activity for business purposes. So essentially, you need, if you're going to fish where the fish are, uh, you need to be in social media and you need to be engaged in communities. So this whole idea of shifting from push-to-pull marketing is really very important and we're under underway on that transition at SAP right now, and we see many of our customers and, and peers and competitors who are on the same journey. Push being, I'm going to interrupt you with emails. I'm going to interrupt your dinner with a phone call. I'm going to interrupt your drive to work with a billboard. Uh, I'm inter- going to interrupt your television watching with a commercial. Now, those things aren't going away, as Rachel mm-hmm. mentioned, but we are on this journey of shifting away from that interrupt-driven to something that's more human and that's more centered around the customer's buying cycle instead of the vendor's selling cycle. Yeah, and Mark, I would add to that, which is if you don't resist that, if you go with it, your cost of sales will drop. So, like, yes, it's what's happening anyways, and and if you fight it, you're just going to be paying more than you need to. Absolutely. Um, we have, so. you know, we have challenges within SAP. One of our big, um, hairy, audacious goals that we've set for ourselves is a 35% operating margin by the year 2015. We're not there yet. We're in the 30% range right now. That means we've got to cut some costs. And at the same time, we want to grow our business um, to almost double um, from where it was in 2010 to 2015. So how in the world are you going to double revenue and get better um, operating margins? Well, you've got to work smarter and you've got to work more efficiently. And, and it's way beyond nibbling around the edges and doing 5% here or 10% there. You need a dramatic change. And we believe that this shift from push-to-pull marketing, 
with lower cost of sale and lower cost of customer acquisition is is very important uh, component in that mix. Well, I, I want to add a shade of something in here. I'm going to say a word. I'm going to substitute instead of the word interrupt. We're talking about the difference between push and pull. It dawns on me, and, and bear me out, Mark. I think you'll find this interesting. I just came up with this. <laughs> uh, if if we change the word interrupt to intrude, people don't want to be intruded upon. And interrupt, I'm going to turn that into a positive word because there's nothing I would like better during the course of a of a heavy duty work day where maybe things are, are tedious or they're repetitive or they're just plain overwhelming. There's nothing I'd like better than to be interrupted by a good story that I want to read. What do you think of that, Mark Yelton? Uh, I think you're right. I think interrupting can be a good thing if it's mm-hmm. the right thing at the right place at the right time in the format exactly. that I wanted and it's welcome. But, um, but the idea of pull is that we're inviting that customer, that recipient of the message to invite them into their world, um, invite us into their world. Um, and so I, I do we think agree. it is an intrusion, and we're tired of being intruded upon um, as we're going about our lives. Um, we don't want that somebody forcing their way in. There you go. I, I think that shade is important to me. I want to read a tweet here from Chris Kim. Thanks for tweeting. Chris says, it's the best social media roundtable he's heard in a long time, and he shattered out long with all caps. He said, fun, knowledgeable guests with a pro of a host. Thank you, Chris Kim, for being on board here tweeting during the live show. So um, let's turn to Sean O'Driscoll. I understand you're back with us on a, on a better phone line, Sean. What's your thought about push versus pull and about this shade I've just introduced of interruption Welcome interruption versus intrusion, intruding on people's lives, whether it's the workday, whether it's the personal time. What are your thoughts from the ant's eye view, Sean? Yeah, I don't mind being intruded on if my life's in danger. Uh, but in most cases, my life is not in danger when it comes to marketing messages. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I can talk about two kinds of storytelling to paint the example. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Uh, we've witnessed here in Seattle a great local company called Pimco Insurance. Now, for anybody who's ever been a marketer in the insurance space, you, you know how challenging it is to market and tell stories about insurance. For those of you who don't, you are an owner of insurance. And imagine marketing a product that you are forced by the law to own, and once you buy it, you pray you never have to use it. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very difficult um, kind of product or a very different category to create involvement with or to tell stories. And the stories that marketers traditionally tell in these scenarios are really speeds and feeds, how fast they can do things, how good they can do things, how frequently they do things, the benefits of certain kinds of things. Um, and so they load us up with speeds and feeds. And what did little PIMCO do here in Seattle? Well, they picked an adjacency. They picked something that was uniquely PIMCO. It turns out that they're the only Seattle-based, the only Washington State-based provider of home, auto, and life. All other sellers of insurance in Washington State are national brands or at least large regional brands. Mm -hmm. And so what they chose to do was to create an online dialogue, create a narrative about life in the Northwest, something that they were passionate about and something that people here in the Northwest are passionate about. And so the marketing story they created was essentially tied to the message of, we're a lot like you, a little different. And people can look up that campaign online and get a sense for the culture and the connection that they created with people in the Northwest and just how involved their constituency then got in that particular story. It was clever. It was funny. It was distinct. 
um, and it invited involvement from their audience. And once they built that audience, then they had a platform around which to go in and have a responsible dialogue about the product they sold, about their insurance mm-hmm. portfolio, about the security that they provide to dreams of people who live in the Northwest. And so I thought that was a really genius example of kind of switching from normal push messaging uh, to something that feels a lot more pull or a lot more involvement-oriented, which is the word I really love. Involvement, authenticity, compelling, real. I'm going to read something. I looked up storytelling again, and I found a website called mindjumpers.com. I found a blog there, and they talk about brands using storytelling, and they talk about five ways brands can tell a story through content sharing. Let me point out a couple of these, and I think this sums up a lot of what we've been discussing, Mark Yolton and Rachel Hoppy and Sean O'Driscoll. They say tap user-generated content, okay, content from the community members, fans, and bloggers. Use it to your advantage. They say make content personal. It's good to talk about why you're discussing a topic and why it's important to your brand. We're talking about brands here, of course. Respond to news content. Use real-life examples. And I think that's what you're talking about, Sean. Examples would be, hey, we're in the Northwest. We love this place. What's good and what's wonderful about it? And here's the last point I brought up when we summarized at the end of the last segment. Talk like a human. It is important to talk like a human being. Respond, react, hold conversations. This helps in creating meaningful meaningful relationships with people, and I'm going to introduce again that word authenticity. Rachel, is this touching, uh, hitting on all the hot points of what you would say in somebody talking about social communities and storytelling? Did I hit them all? Um, it is. I would add one um, uh, added nuance, which is it's about who is in control. And marketers like to know exactly where their constituency is in the buying process. But as Mark pointed out, people aren't even coming to the brand before they've made some decision about whether they want to look further or not. Um, so by ceding control of a little bit of that story, you're also gaining commitment from your mm-hmm. market. And, and that's a really hard cultural shift to make for most um well, it's, it's not just marketers. It's, it's anybody in organizations today. Are, we've been trained to be very in control and very perfectionist about the product that we put out there. But when you put out a perfect story or a perfect product, there is no room for anyone else mm-hmm. to contribute. And you have to provide that room for someone else to share and co-create that with you because that's what drives this commitment and this advocacy. That, Very um, good point. Just to jump yes. in, this is, this is Mark. Um, yes. Giving up control gets us engagement. Um, that's one of the things that we learned early in our journey um, with, with an SAP community, which was as soon as we gave up control um, and we essentially put a platform around, out, out, we did set up some boundaries and said, here are the types of things that it's not okay to talk about. It's okay to criticize us or to have a bad day or whatever. But we're not going to control what you say or how you say it. We got a lot more engagement, and, and we have tremendous engagement. And I mean engagement by customers and by partners and, and even by competitors and, and people who are just poking around and trying to, to evaluate whether they want to purchase something or, or go down that path. But that, that level of engagement is really important, along with that authenticity, too, um, in allowing people to say what they need to say um, without trying to control that conversation. 
you get trust, you get accountability because mm-hmm. individuals are then accountable for the things that they put out. Um, you even get forgiveness and understanding when you make mistakes. We've seen that because, uh-huh. my goodness, we've made plenty of mistakes. But the members of a community or the members of a social network will forgive you because they really do understand better what the motivations are, what you were attempting to do. Even if you fell short, they're, they're able to give you a second chance and give you the benefit of the doubt. Thank you, Mark. That's a great way to end this segment. We're going to go to our, our, I was going to say storytelling, our crystal ball, which is a way of prediction storytelling. I just want to welcome somebody new to the show on Twitter. Tridip Chakrabarthi is listening. He says, I love the hashtag SAP radio stream. And Mark, I think he's a fan of yours and the SAP community network. He says, jump in and hear the dope plus one. There you go. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Change. When we come back, it's time for crystal ball. I'll be asking. Mark and Sean and Rachel look ahead five years to 2017 building a social community and storytelling will it be the same will we have evolved even more exponentially by then don't want to miss their predictions when we come back two minutes and we'll be right back don't even think of touching that app Brad out the business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice America business network The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And let's get back before we shimmy into our chamois and polish off the crystal balls. Never said that before. I like the way it sounds. I want to do a shout out to Tammy Polis, P-O-W-L-A-S, who's joined us on Twitter. She's talking about Mark Yolton says giving up control drives engagement. You're absolutely right, Tammy, and welcome to SAP Radio. We hope you'll stick with us. And here she, yeah, she says she's waiting for the crystal ball segment as she writes a crystal report. Yay, Tammy. Okay, let's start off with, so she's active. Let's start off with Rachel Hoppy. Rachel, talk to me about five years from today, if you gaze into your crystal ball right now, how would this conversation be different? Will social communities be so perfectly honed that we won't have to talk about them? They'll just be a fact of life. And what will storytelling be like? Talk to me. Give me about a minute and a half, Um, Rachel. So I don't think behavior change happens that fast. So I think we'll still be working on this in five years. But my hope, and hopefully it's a prediction as well, is the hype around superficial engagement. Um, will die down and we'll get to focus more on value creation and distribution and how we do that co-creation and how we integrate it into our business strategy and our workflows versus having it the separate thing. 
Rachel, I'm going to ask you a question I wasn't prepared to ask, but when you, t- when you talk about the people who are doing the storytelling, and that's been one of my threads throughout the show, is there a, a gender difference? Oh, I hate to ask that, but I have to. Gender difference and age difference, generational, in the people who are going to be in five years the better storytellers than we have today. Where will they be in an organization? Um, Any thoughts? I think the best storytellers are the people who uh, are very self-aware and know themselves very well, um, and that is not gender-specific. Um, but it's a maturity thing, and it's not age-specific either. So um, there are people that are good at it, and there are people who are not so good at it. And the, the better and more comfortable you are with yourself, the better you can tell your story authentically. Beautiful answer. Thank you so much. You're a pro. And let's talk to Sean O'Driscoll from Ants Eye View. Sean, do you want to look at five years? You want to change the time frame? I'll leave it up to you. What do you see ahead in your crystal ball, Sean? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and I can't remember who originally said this, but I, but I always thought it was true that not as much changes as you think will in five years, but dramatically more changes than you can believe in the, over the course of 10 years. And I, I think we're going to see that in this trend as well, and that five years from now, I think what we'll experience is that resistance will, will have passed, right, as organizations will have accepted that, that participatory digital and social engagement are fundamental functions that they have to enable both within their firewall amongst employees as well as across their firewall with their customers, partners, and channel and channels um, in the marketplace. And I think then what that means is that the real work that we'll be doing, we focused on operationalizing it. How does it scale? How does the content flow across the organization? How do you empower people that sit in customer care, people that sit in legal, people who sit in marketing, people who sit in product teams, to all understand what actions they can take um, on behalf of the brand and the organization uh, based upon this river of data uh, that's flowing in that really needs to be converted into true insights. Um, and I, I think that'll be kind of the most exciting part of this because we'll stop talking as much about just the channels and how to get on Facebook and more about what the business implications are and how the organization can effectively scale it. Thank you, Sean. I have a question for you. We haven't talked specifically about the social channels. We have a little extra time before I get to Mark Yelton's predictions. Where will companies in five to ten years be looking for their first foray? Let's start with a small company, entrepreneur, gleam in the eye. I have a great idea, the next new widget, the next new service. I don't care what it is. Where should they be looking? Should they dip their toe in the water socially on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, or will there be, in your prediction, Sean O'Driscoll, will there be another social channel where they would want to go first? What's their best? bet right out of the box. What do you think? Well, they should go wherever they decide their audience is. Um, and it might be none of the above. Ah. Um, you know, to be to be fair. I you know, personally I still think that the big the big three or the big four, if you include YouTube, are mm-hmm. are mission critical across uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and, and YouTube. I think there'll be an emerging set of, of new channels as it feels like there is pretty much every week. Uh, but I guess I would urge marketers to become world-class in the big four before they uh, invest too much time um, in chasing every new shiny object um, out there. There are certainly exceptions uh, to the rule uh, based upon the industry that you serve. If you're a retailer today and you're not looking at Pinterest, you're probably making a mistake um, you know, in your business model. But I don't know if you're a router company that sells wireless networks um, that people are going to jump on Pinterest and pin their favorite router. Um, so I, I think you just have to be thoughtful about where, where is your audience, what is the story you're trying to tell, and how do you most effectively tell it in the channels that are available to you. 
Great. Thanks for letting me put a little ringer in there. I appreciate your straightforward answer. Mark Yolton, you're up. Predictions. What is your crystal ball? Say, Mark, you want five years, you want five minutes, you want 50 years, where are you going to go with it? Uh, I'll take five years. I don't, I, okay. I, most of us won't be around in 50, so I won't even venture a guess. <laughs> um, but in five years, I think some fundamental change is going to happen. We'll stop talking about social business and we'll just talk about business. We'll stop talking about social media marketing and we'll just talk about marketing. In essence, this is just going to become embedded in everything that we do, and it's just going to become the the norm. Um, Rachel brought up a good point in that she mentioned, you know, it's not just marketing where social media and where community engagement is happening. Um, It's happening in all stages of uh, a company's engagement with its customers or vice versa, with a customer's engagement with the vendors and the companies they rely on. So... At SAP, we, we are a big, complicated company, but with 60,000 employees around the world and 200,000 customers in all sorts of industries, and it's pretty complicated. But it, at the core, we just do three things. We build sell software, we sell software, and then we support customers after they've purchased something from us to help them be successful. We use social media, and we use social networking, and we use online communities in all of those phases, we use it at the very beginning to get crowdsourced ideas from our customers about what new innovations, what features and functionality they'd like to see from us in the future. So that's the, that's the, that's the build portion. Then mm-hmm. if you think about go-to-market, we use the voices of customers and the stories of customers to help us sell other prospects on becoming SAP customers or we use existing customers to upsell, cross-sell, etc., to upgrade from the old version to the new version of software, all of those things throughout the go-to-market cycle. So we're using those voices of customers in the go-to-market phase. And then in the post-sale phase, we're using customers and partners to help each other be successful in their use and deployment and operationalizing of SAP software in their company or their, or their government agency, if that's the case. So we're using it throughout the life cycle, and I think it's just going to be embedded in everything that we do all the time. It'll be operationalized to to some extent. We won't be all the way there. But in five years, we darn well be pretty far down the path uh, of operationalizing social media, social business, community engagement, customer engagement through online, and all of those kinds of aspects, or else those companies are going to be in deep trouble. Okay, let me ask you a quick question. We've got two minutes to go, and I need one minute to close out the show and do my predictions, which are the shows coming up. But, Mark, who are the best storytellers? Your, your ants eye, bird's eye, top uh, ivy, ivy tower view, wherever you are in that, that escalation, looking down or looking into the social community network, SAP community network. Who are the best storytellers? Age, gender, any any identifying marks you can share with us who are the best ones today as you see it? doesn't matter on age or gender. matters on passion and commitment. So if somebody is passionate about something, any topic, could be yarn, for goodness sake. It could be any topic. They're going to be the best storytellers because they're going to tell you and they're going to evoke that passion and they're going to convey that passion when they tell you a story about whatever it is. So... We look for passionate members of the community to tell their stories with others. 
Thank you very much. Couldn't have helped for a better word, passion at the end of a great show. I want to do my shout-outs. Tomorrow is September 20th. We're going to be talking about cloud overview. Yeah, all the buzzwords you know. And pricing models in the cloud. You want to be public, private, hybrid. Where are you going to get the best bang for your buck in the cloud? Talking to three great experts tomorrow. September 26th, next Wednesday, not doing a live show, but we're bringing back a repeat of M2M, Rise of the Machines, a recent show that was very popular, and Malcolm did a great blog on that. I have shout-outs to Patricia Harris, Malcolm Kimberlin, and the Business Channel team. Shout-out specially to my three amazing guests, Rachel Hoppy. Thank you, Rachel. Sean O'Driscoll. Thank you, Sean. Mark Yolton. Terrific to meet you. Hope to have you back on the show. And here's my parting words. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thanks for joining us on Coffee Break with Game Changers, show number 50. Onward. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.